Pokemon that's like a bee with like spikes for arms? Beedrill? Beedrill. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Pokemon, it's like, I was like thinking about Pokemon because right before we were recording, yeah. like, I just kept going like Tentacool. Tentacool. It's such a cool name for a Pokemon. And then you think about Beedrill. And isn't there also that other Pokemon that's like just like a fucking bundle of keys or some shit like that? Oh, uh, dude, I do not know much about when it comes to Pokemon names. I remember there's one that's just literal garbage. It's like a garbage can. Oh, wow. Yeah, they just gave up. Those dudes in the back, you know, the first, what, 100 or so Pokemon, they mm-hmm. come out and nothing else. They, they gave up around somewhere around the sixth or seventh generation. And some dude in the back's like, yo, bro, you know what would be kind of cool? Just garbage. Just no, blah. And, and I feel you. Because it's like I said, there's, there's a Pokemon out there, bro. It's just a literal bundle of keys. And I was like, oh, wow. All right. So I, I guess this is what the, this is the kids are playing now. Yeah. Of course, you know, you got your Rattatas and... <laughs> I'm about to expose myself. I don't know shit about Pokemon. Um, you got your Rattatas and your Pikachus and that Pikachu that have like the blue minuses on his cheeks and all that. Uh, That's... Uh, ooh. Man, I don't know, bro. It looks like a squirrel. I think, you know, I think so, because all Man, of my I'm knowledge being exposed is, is either to. out of date or blended together, because I was going to say, like, the two uh, Pikachus that have the plus and minus, I'm like, oh, it's plus and minus, but that's from Teen Titans. Yes. Yeah. Those are the, the <laughs> those Mexican dudes. Or the, yeah, yeah. No, exactly that. Like, <laughs> and it's funny, because it's like the more time I spend, because of course, Bruno doesn't know, like, um, Vernon and the friends of my group, they're like a year or so older than me. So it's funny whenever we talk about like, you know, older like TV shows and movies and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I remember bits and pieces of it. And y'all have like this encyclopedic knowledge. And it's like, dude, I was watching cartoons, man. I'm like, <laughs> Dude, like I, I can go back as far as I can remember to watching uh, Batman Beyond and being I was I was uh, in a store and I think it was at like a Sears or something. And in the appliance section, there was TV going on. It was Saturday morning. And I remember go, looking behind me. I just hear, it's like, oh, dude. And they're like dancing and stuff. I was like, whoa. I was like, this is kind of tight. Man. Dude, for real. I remember watching Bits and You know, Batman Beyond is still, I was like, what, three years old when that came out? I remember I was like, how old are you to still be like having memories of this? I just vividly remember that. That's one thing I can remember. I think that's the furthest back I can think about with cartoons. That's the furthest back I can remember. That's a good one. Is that? I don't know what mine would be. Like I know I'm going to older pictures, and I had a Batman Beyond fit for my first birthday, but it's my first, I don't remember. It was my first birthday. I'm trying to think. The earliest cartoon memory I can think of, I don't know, dude. It's probably going to be like coming home on half days and watching like, like you know, like fucking like Looney Tune babies and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, bro. I would co- I would stay home on certain days, and I would just have Roly Poly Oli on Roly something. Roly Poly Oli is a classic. <laughs> dude, just... <laughs> Just box springs the show like mm-hmm. <laughs> dudes were just had chalk zones, chalk zones goes uh, in sixty fours dude lane that was a banger was it a banger the the theme was a banger I don't know much about sixty four dude lane I remember that that's all you need that's it I turned it off that show was the definition of a hype man that's it you came for that intro when I was it. Uh, trying to think of other things. I can't really think of too much. I wasn't allowed to watch Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh for a straight long, for a while until I was older. Can I ask you why that? It was like for religious reasons. And I'm not getting, I, I mean, like, yeah, like that is, I, I wasn't even allowed to watch Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy for a hot second, bro, because of all the stuff. And, and really, that, that 
makes more sense. That makes more sense. Yeah, because my the mom was like, what, grim and evil? She said, oh, hell no. <laughs> and then you walk past and you see Grim over here. It's like, oh, fucking bumble clock. Like, <laughs> He's the doing... most Jamaican Grim Reaper ever. I mean, I've, I've gotten kind of lax mm-hmm. on certain things. Like, I mean, I get that there's certain things that you have to protect yourself from if you're part of the faith, you know, whatever, that are obvious. But there's other things that I feel like were a little overdid, like Pokemon. Is that really... I don't know. I don't know, man. Pocket monsters? You're basically walking around with demons in your pocket. Uh, I mean, yeah, but... Some of them can shoot fire. <laughs> I mean, Pikachu is, is, is stealing people's souls? Is that it? With his cuteness. I, I guess so. But, you know, I, I don't know. There's some things I've gotten lax on. There's other things I kind of... I look back and I go, you know what? I get it. That part, there's some parts I get. And there's some parts I go, you know what? I resent that a little bit because I missed out on some cool stuff. But, yeah, you know... Because I feel like as kids, I would have wanted to be friends with you, but like I feel like our parents would have kept us away. Because I was like, you, you can play games for religious reasons. Some of the first games I was playing was like Devil May Cry and shit like that. So yeah, like I wasn't even allowed to do Grand Theft Auto. Well, that's obvious. That's, that's obvious. Okay. I been doing Grand Theft Auto. Uh, but no, a lot of people shouldn't been doing Grand Theft Auto. But my mom, I, I, I just sneak with my cousins to do Grand Theft Auto, bro. Uh, they that was the things that I snuck off to go do. And those dudes put me hip to the game, bro, with the Xbox, playing Hitman and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, Hitman is so good. Dude, it's funny you bring up GTA just for the simple fact that, I know in our last podcast we kind of talked about like uh, dads and things like that. One of the few memories I have of my dad watching me play the game is he watched me play GTA 4, right? And I'm not the type of person that like drives on a sidewalk in GTA, like I just kind of stay on the streets or whatever. So my dad's watching me, okay, I got to do something cool. I'm like, okay, watch this. And I'm in the Cadillac. I just start driving on the sidewalk. And my dad watches and he stands there for a solid five seconds, complete silence, and then just goes, oh, wow, my son's going to be a murderer. And just walks out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) He just closed the door. (laughs) Walked away. (laughs) Like, there was so much shame in that one moment. And it was like, damn. (laughs) I learned it by watching you. I learned it from you. <laughs> it's funny you bring up memories yeah. uh, and talking about this stuff, and especially childhood memories. Because mm-hmm. the thing I wanted to talk about really quick before we got into the main cusp of it was, I do you remember getting report cards? Yeah. Remember how scary that was? That was the worst. See, I don't know if it was progress reports or report cards that was worse. Because a progress report was just a progress report. Right. But depending on how bad you were fucking up, you were just showing your parents something like, yo, this isn't going to get any better. No, I had. So I had issues where I wasn't necessarily a bad kid. I just didn't like doing what was good for the first five years of my life <laughs> um, of school, at least. And basically, uh, the ass beating meter was like, okay, I'm failing, I'm failing math or something like that. I would get the parks report, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get my ass beat pretty badly. Oh, this is gonna be really bad. Uh, but I remember going to a particular parent teacher conference because those were scary too for me. But I, 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 rightfully so, my mom was rightfully pissed at some of the things that I did. Uh, but I remember sitting down this particular parent teacher conference and sitting down with my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Navarro. I'm going to air his out, air his all out. Cool ass name. 
And, you know, looking back on it, I get certain elements, but it made no sense. So you remember, do you remember having like a school system where they would mark you with numbers and not necessarily a grade when you were in grade school, like the early grade school? I vaguely remember that, yeah. Like it was like a one to a three. Three was like exceptional, like okay, yeah, awesome, yeah, 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 and two's that. like, eh, and then one's like, you know. Yeah, one just, why did you show up today? Right. So... That's just it, though. So I go there, obviously, sit down. He breaks everything down. I'm like, I'm messing up. I kind of knew I was messing up a little bit. Like, oh, great. I'm messing up here, 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 here. But here's the thing that didn't make any sense and was super unfair. I got marked down for not smiling when I came into the room. Ain't that a bitch? Thinking for the corporate world early. Yeah, like- bro. I, I, that's I'll never forget the conversation. I was so mad. I almost flipped the chair. I was like, bro, I get me getting my ass beat when I get home for failing this or doing this or doing that. But I'll be damned if I get my ass beat because I didn't smile because I show up in the morning oh, or whatever. And this dude was like, well, you think I want to come into work and smile all the time? I was like, bro, I doubt that they dock your pay for having a midday. Like, if they do, why the fuck are you still coming in? That was the most Orwellian thing I ever experienced in my life. I got a one because I didn't smile. No, that's crazy. Like, that's so crazy that my only comparison is once I actually was in a workforce as a teenager and you hear, you know, your smile is a part of your outfit or it's, it's like your name type of thing. Right. You had to bring your smile to work and everything. I did not hear that. I, I hate that for you that you had a teacher that was just so fucking draconian that, no, you children, I don't give a shit what happened before you came to my classroom. You better smile when I see you. And, and I was a kid that it wasn't necessarily that I was miserable it was just that i was just having a midday day like you know chilling. i'm just mid like, but it's like mm, should have smiled that's a one see contrary to popular belief in the only people who think there are people who aren't around kids a lot like children aren't always happy no like there's been so many times i've walked past my niece and shout out to kendall i'm like kendall how are you doing today and she's just like oh i don't know and she'll just keep walking she's like six like what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Like, like, like kids have days. So it's just so funny to me that your teacher's like, oh, you better be smiling when you come in. It's like, dude, my six-year-old needs it. She says she doesn't know how she's feeling. Bro. And she's okay with that. I would, you know, get home, get that ass beating, bro. You know, but I just, well-deserved, well-deserved. I was screwing up and I made, you know, you have days like that. But I was like, damn, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm messing up. Can I smile? Like, what the hell? See, look, man, I was getting my ass beat off a of fraud when I was a kid. <laughs> Like, let me tell you, I would never forget about this. It was one time where I got my ass beat, and this is based purely off of the fact that there was a girl, I can't remember her name, but there was a girl, let's call her Sally, in middle, in um, elementary, not elementary, preschool. Oh, wow, dude, preschool. Whatever it was, whatever school where I was little, she liked me. You know, I, I take the bet to you know when there's like wood chips on the playground. And oh, shit like that. okay. So what she did was, because she was like hit me in class and stuff like that, you know, whatever, whatever. What she did was she approached me one day. Got a gang, and it is a black chick too, so you know there's some terrible things to the hair. She grabbed a gang of wood chips, put some in her head, put some in my head, and then ran to the teacher and said, I did it. Bro, once wow. I got my ass beat for that, that's bullshit. That was the first, like, I learned at a young age that the system is designed to fuck you. Because my teacher said it, and that's all my dad heard. The entire drive home, I was like, look, man. I, I didn't call my dad, man. I was like, look, man, you don't get it. I didn't do what they said. Because I, I was going to get my ass beat. I was like, you don't get it. I didn't do it. Well, if you didn't do them all, they tell me that. My only retort is they're lying. And then once they're lying, yeah, okay, they're lying. 
So needless to say, yeah, I got my ass beat. I you always get that speech so of like, bad. oh, so mm-hmm. the, pe- the teacher's lying now. Oh, so teacher's that, lying. That's the line right there. That's the line right there. Like, I, put this, I got my ass beat so bad. I remember the 1-800-CALL-SAM commercial that came on when I was sitting in my room right after, bro. That's how traumatizing that shit, bro. <laughs> that was the first time I had the kid. I was like, God damn, I don't want to call somebody. <laughs> Do you ever get like uh you ever get like uh, a lashing like it was so it's like that slave lashing where you go you can't even take a breath you just <laughs> got that Leon death like Resident Evil Ford <laughs> I would I would I would like tear up but like I couldn't breathe it was just like a <laughs> just. <laughs> Had bro, and they were like, Anakin, when I'm not near you, I can't breathe. Like, <laughs> I was on the ground. You know, yeah, you just got beat so bad that you just enveloped the spirit of your ancestors. <laughs> you got taken to the Avatar state, but it was just, it was just for that. Bro, they were all looking back at me. Lash, bro. Like, I, uh, first time, huh? <laughs> <laughs> But for me, it was for stupid freaking not, not having good grades and not smiling. But for them, it was just like, nigga, I was just picking some cotton wrong. Like, <laughs> it is messed up because the one through line with all of that is somebody above you going, I don't like the way you're doing that there. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if you got your ass beat for that? Like, <laughs> Smile, boy. <laughs> 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 But no, speaking of uh, forcing a smile, <laughs> pretty much the movie that we're talking about today is Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind. Let's just get into it. Like, really, what I want to know before I even get to my opinion was... Because you, you've seen this movie before, before this podcast. Oh, so yes. I would love to know your pretty much overall opinion and takeaway of it before I give mine as a new viewer. Because going into this, you know, you said you've seen the movie a few times. And it's one of those movies where once I actually like, looked it up online, there's a lot of discourse about it. So I would love to hear your take. Uh, So I remember uh, overseeing or kind of walking in on the movie being on like a Showtime channel. And one of the lines of the movie that really stuck out to me at the time, I was a bit younger, is really, there's a scene, and I know we're kind of skipping around a little bit, but there's a scene with Jim Carrey, because Jim Carrey, and I forget who the co-star is. Uh, Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. Man, she was very attractive. She still is very attractive. You know what she looks like? She kind of looks like, um, God, Two Broke Girls, Two Broke Girls. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. Uh, Kat Denny's. Kat yes, Denny's. I said Denny's. I, was, I, I thought Denny's in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She like Denny's. Mm, smell like Denny's. Um, <laughs> no, but I walked in on this particular scene with Jim Carrey. One of Jim Carrey's, like, one of three serious roles he's done, honestly, too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, why do I fall in love with every woman who gives me slight attention? And I remember that sticking with me. It, I thought it was a little too real. Like, that's too real. You're in my head right now. I was like, oh, that's too deep. But I was like, maybe 15 to 16 at the time. And any girl that gives you a slight bit of attention at the time, you kind of do just get wrapped up and sucked in because, like, I'll just take it, you know, mm-hmm. type of thing. At least I will say for myself, I, that's what I did. Yep. And the writing chops of this particular screenwriter is Charlie Kaufman. 
Charlie Kaufman is a very prolific uh, screenwriter who writes a lot about things that, and on deeper levels. I like to think and are very relatable. Um, I really liked uh, Cindy Key uh, of New York. I believe that's one of his films that he wrote. And I believe he directed it too. Um, he also did uh, a Mona Lisa. Uh, that's an animated stop motion film that he did the writing for. And I think I, I think I'm I think about uh, what is it? I'm thinking about ending things. Is another one he wrote, I believe. And this one, and he also did one with Nick Cage. There's a movie that he did with him as well. I, I believe I forget the name of that film, and I feel bad about it. But it, he also did that one as well. And he won an Oscar for that. So these are some of the films that he wrote in that time span, and he's writing about core things, death, a lot of really out there concepts about love and a bunch of things like this. This is his, I like to think, his thesis about love and about romance. And it's so out there. And I know you asked me initially about my interpretation of this film. And basically my interpretation of this is, you know, hearing about the of the writer. It's a bit of a bleakness to it of uh, a, a kind of a bit of a jadedness. I like to think of this as well, but also it's very, very sincere of memories. We talked earlier uh, about memories, having those types of memories. We can go back and think about the smell, the taste, mm-hmm. the feeling of those memories and what happens when you try to take a memory and you try to erase something poignant in your life that was foundational for you and your character growth. And you hate hearing it, but some people in relationships, they don't have to be romantic, are character development moments for you to yeah. go through. And these people, it's a science fiction type of setting in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind where people can go to a doctor and literally get their brain scanned of memories of a particular moment or person. And I think that is a fascinating takeaway is that these people try to erase their memories, but they cannot erase the emotions behind those memories. You can't erase what these memories, what these mean to you. You can't really erase that. And I think the element of love and talking about breakups and how sometimes you're in a midst of a breakup and you just wish that you could have gone back and erased it all and not have gone through it and screw her and screw this whole thing. And and you're so quick to throw it all away. But I believe that any relationship that you go through good or bad, you can pick out moments that were great. You could pick out moments that were really bad, but in those moments, the, the now is the now and the later is the later. So you can't, you have to take the whole thing with the good and the bad and the imperfections of whatever they're in. And maybe throwing away a memory is not the best, healthiest way of going about it, but not to ramble on too much. I would love to hear your no, thoughts. No, no, I, I'm actually glad you said it like that because you said a word that really struck out to me. And I felt the same way while I was watching this movie when you talked about character development. Because at the end of the day, it's like you said, there's a scientific organization where you can go and get your memories wiped. And Jim Carrey's character, he finds out that Kate Winslet's character did it first. So he's like, oh, I was erased. I was wiped. You know, he saw her in the bookstore. She was with a different guy. So he wanted to erase his memories, too. And pretty much over the course of the movie, neither one of them actually really wants to forget each other or really wants to forget what they went through. And to me, it says a few things. Of course, it speaks to character development. But I think what I also believe is just that It speaks to the idea that, in a way, pain is also beautiful. Because when you go through the course of this movie, their relationship 
there were very few good moments. Most of it was bad. Yep. There were two people who were completely different. And if anything, it seemed like a relationship despite it all. Like there's a scene in the movie where Jim Carrey's character where they were eating at the um at a Chinese food place and he's like, Oh, we're going here again this week. Do you think people take pity on us? God, I would hate to be one of those couples that's like that. So I feel like with a lot of his inner monologues, because you never really hear too much what's going on in her head. It's honestly it's not like five hundred days of summer in that way. But in a lot of his inner monologues, Jim Carrey is sad. And you feel over the course of the movie, the vast majority of the relationship was sad and shallow. But those few moments, like laying on the ice, when they were having fun in the apartment, those few moments that were poignant, to him they were everything. He didn't want to lose those moments. So to me, I think that really speaks to the fact that at the end of the day, I think when we lose people and we lose situations and things like that, we put so much on the person. Where it's like, oh, well, it's like you were saying earlier, screw her, screw him. They did this to me, they did that. When in actuality, what I think it is, is just you missed the way that this person used to make you feel. And you're coming to grips with the fact that it's not there anymore. So pretty much to ultimately wrap up my opinion in this movie, I feel like it's a movie that speaks about cycles. It speaks about, you know, doing things that you genuinely don't want to do just for some kind of vain pleasure and things like that. But it also speaks to... What I believe is genuinely how relationships are, and it's just love and the human condition. You're gonna fuck up. You're gonna make mistakes. It's just one of those things where, whether good or bad, do you view it from the lens of let's give this one more try or do we end it? But either way, the memories you made along the way, even the ones you're not thinking of when you're hurt and when you're bitter, at the end of the day, in most relationships, it wasn't all bad. And that's what I love about this movie. Because like I said, to me, that's very real. Because you hear so much about people, oh, this person was bad for me, this person was terrible, there was nothing going on. Then you wouldn't have stayed for as long as you did. So I think this movie really speaks to the fact that even in the worst relationships, whether it's romantic or not, there's still that element of happiness. You know, There has to be something that keeps you around. And that's what I really like about this movie because it really focuses on the fact that at the end of the day, relationships aren't all they're cracked up to be, but even in ones that aren't the best, there's still something redeemable. So I think the ultimate kind of takeaway of this movie, if I look at it from the character's point of view, is just that at the end of the day, are you willing to go through something that you know is going to be terrible, that you know is going to be awful, if you get that little bit of happiness, you know? And I wanted to say... uh there's a quote I would like to get here. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. This movie, it, you're right. Tom's character, which is Jim Carrey's character, and Clementine, who is Kate Winslet's character, they are polar opposites, as you just mentioned. These guys are... Tom is a very safe, as it, you know, very safe, stable type of guy. Clementine is very spontaneous and very much at the moment. She, you know, she has like that Ramona Flowers type of thing going on before mm-hmm. Ramona Flowers, the colorful hair, the type of spontaneous energy. And Tom loves and is attracted to this thing about her. And that is the part of the deterioration of their characters is that these guys fell in love and fell out of love for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. He starts to hate that part of herself that he fell in love with so deeply and she's starting to hate him for the very thing that I think that she was attracted to was stability. Yeah. Cause she didn't have it in her life. No. 
And I remember even the conversations they were having in this film of, you know, he goes back in time. Uh, the memories go from the most recent, of course, back to when they first met. And to break down kind of what's going on in this film. So he, Clementine originally gets her memories erased. It's like a like a mail ordering service where you can send someone, hey, I, I've erased my memories of you. Can you imagine getting a letter or something like that of someone to right, say, hey, right. dog, I, I want nothing to do with you anymore. Here's this letter. I've completely erased my memories of you. And it's this whole corporation that is ran. And also Mark Ruffalo is in this movie, which is kind of cool. You know what's funny about that? I thought that because he, Mark Ruffalo character looks really similar. But it's funny because he's also in the movie. I forget the guy's name was in the relationship with the glasses, the, the bald guy. Oh, yeah. That's the dude from Mr. Show. I forget yeah, the guy's name. And also Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yes. <laughs> and it's funny because I saw that. You know, it's going like, oh, wow, this character looks really familiar. And that's one thing I really, not, 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 not to sidebar too much. That's one thing I am enjoying about watching these older movies. You know, this came out back in 2004. It has, it has you know, Kirsten Dunst in it. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's straight off of Spider-Man. Yes. And even with 500 Days of Summer, not not jump around too much. That was, what, 2008, 2009? And then that was like that era of the Zoe Deschanel when she was just in everything, like right before a new girl. So it's really New girl didn't premiere until like 2010, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it's really funny to like watch these movies and then just see like these actors like how, how they just kind of like springboard off of that. And uh, it was cool to see Mark Ruffalo. He plays a doctor in here as well. And basically this service is uh, is allowed to happen for no really... Expl- there's no explanation behind how they do it. It's like, that's why I like about this film. It's very much a conceptual movie. The science fiction aspect of this is really much a backdrop and it's not really, it, you, there's no need to dwell on it. That's not the core of this film. And it's cool to see, like you were mentioning, all these different actors coming together for this. And we also see like a roadmap. Like I was talking earlier, memories can be erased, but the feelings stay. And we see kind of the movie is done out of sequence, and out of order. The most of the bulk of this film is Tom erasing his memories with the service to erase his memories of Clementine and us seeing the deterioration of their relationship in his mind also being erased. And it's a bit like, it's kind of like horror a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you see these really interesting choices of camera, choices of... of CGI. Of, yeah, CGI. Um, even makeup, I like to think. These mm-hmm. blurred faces and yeah. things because he's forgetting these moments and how it's a very creative thought process of you kind of, you're in your own little world. We're in his subconscious, his mind. And we are blurring the lines of memory and emotion, and it's kind of heartbreaking. The more memories become erased, and you kind of see uh, he's so cool with erasing all these bad memories, like you were saying, and then he gets these good memories that oh no, he realizing in in the midst of this, oh I'm getting rid of everything about this person, mm-hmm. all the aspects of them, uh, even the good and the bad. But I think in a relationship, when you do sign up for a relationship, you sign up for the flaws and imperfections of a person. And you can, you're so cool with like, you, you'd you be cool to erase an imperfection or flaw of a memory or a person, but you can't necessarily, uh, you'd be erasing all of the goodness of that aspects as well. Right. And that was interesting to see. He's trying to fight this erasing of these memories and he's caught up in that mix and we see all these different things happening. He's talking to the Clementine of his mind, trying to prevent the memories of her to be from being erased and failing ultimately. Uh, but that 
to me, watching it again and having that experience again, especially just being open about me, myself and the time that I'm in, I've, you know, I think I've talked to other podcasts. I've recently gone through a breakup myself. And if I didn't, then that's the first drop. But I get that when you play everything back in your brain, you sometimes you wish you could throw the whole thing away. You wish you could do that, but you have sadness has more of a influence on us in general. No, and I, and I completely agree because my breakup isn't too recent, but I feel like the last relationship I was in, and you can attest to this actually, yeah, was very very similar to what you see, uh, like Joel and um, uh, Clementine go through. I think it was Joel, Tom, whatever it was. What what you see them go through? Where I was in a relationship that was just so toxic and it was backwards and the few good things that justified it working in so many words the goods never outweigh the bad but because there was so much bad you really just want to cling to those few moments of good you know so i can relate to the characters in that way because at the end of the day it's like i was saying before relationships aren't perfect but just like tom and clementine's character Sometimes you will ultimately find yourself with a person who you might not have been too happy with, but you remember how they made you feel. Because I guess to counter your point, how you're saying sadness is such a profound emotion, I completely agree with you. You're right. But I also think this movie and to a certain extent, even my relationship kind of proves that happiness can be just as profound. Because like with his character, he was fine erasing all the bad, but the second there was that touch of good, he wanted to stop everything because he wanted to keep that one memory so i feel like of course happiness and sadness are inverses and sadness is profound but i feel like when your life is full of so much sadness happiness can also take that same role and the, I, I gotta make a slight correction so i just looked this up it was joel so okay, all the okay. time i said tom i think i was thinking about the previous film sorry y'all mm-hmm. as a not yeah, yeah, there's nah, no but like know, yeah. a <laughs> a mid podcast correction sorry <laughs> uh so Joel Joel is the main character for uh Jim Carrey by the way sorry uh but going back in <laughs> uh going back in uh you're right happiness is appreciated from sadness and sadness is appreciated from that contrast of happiness you can't really experience great joy without great sadness and you can't experience sure. great sadness without great joy so those are the flip sides of the same coin. And I think you do yourself a disservice. And I feel like this film is trying to say you're doing yourself a disservice by trying to erase memories of a person or a core memory of a person just to get along. Cause it's not, you're not really learning anything and you're not really progressing on anything at all either. And you kind of lose sight of what got you in there to begin with, obviously, cause you lost the memory of it, but you lose sight. And I feel like this end of this film, they're on this beach area when they first met, and they're talking about how, you know, everything's starting to deteriorate around them. Everything is starting to be melted away from the memory scans here of them taking out Clementine from his mem- from Joel's memory. Right. And he's deciding to maybe I should try this again and realizing, you know, what got me in here to begin with? What was the thing that got me here? Why did I even try to be a part of this whole thing? And what led me to meet you? I guess you do go through those those elements of thinking maybe my memories of this person wasn't all bad. And I feel like this movie doesn't really want to go into if these guys are good or bad for each other necessarily. Because I almost think that they don't really give each other a fair shot uh, of yeah. what that. I don't really feel like she's necessarily toxic 
and that Joel is toxic as either. I feel like they're just two separate people, but they kind of want, I don't know if they want similar things necessarily, but they're kind of trying to make it work. They're trying to make it mesh. And I think that's the whole thing about relationships. They're just trying to make it work because you don't really know what they're after too much other than the fact that they just do want to be with each other. There's even a point in the film, uh, like this part where they're, in the li- where they're in his head and they're in the library, and he's saying, like, you know, pretty much, yes, I know it wasn't that good. I messed up a lot. You know, you messed up too, but maybe this time it can be different, you know? So, yeah, because it's, it, it's funny how similar this and 500 Days of Summer are because, to me, with both of those movies, I feel like the takeaway is there is no villain. It's just two people who are two different trying to come together and make something work. And what I love about this movie is that it actually was the antithesis of 500 Days of Summer. Because where 500 Days of Summer was some guy who was only focused on the positive. He never saw the negatives. This is a movie about two people who saw the positives in the beginning, but then it got to the point where all you could see was the negatives. And there was so much negative. That's the point I was making earlier. There was so much negative that they had to be reminded of the positive. The dichotomy of these two movies. And to me, I feel like that's what makes this movie so good. Because anybody from any walk of life, at the end of the day, as long as you've been in a relationship, you can relate to that. Like, one thing yeah. that really, really stuck out to me was when he was just driving in the car, just fucking bawling. I was going to mention that. It's like, I don't give a shit <laughs> what you've been through in life. We've all been there. Yeah, dude. So there's so many human moments like that or when they fall out and he just instantly goes, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Even though he may have been justified in what he was saying, we don't know. But it's just one of those things where I think there's so many elements of that of, the, of that movie that just speak to the realness of a relationship. And not even in a romantic sense, just what it means when two people just try to cohabitate, you know? Like, and uh, speaking as a person who lived with a woman for um, a year and a half, um, I... I had moments where you'd have arguments and you would do the, oh, but baby, please. Like, I didn't mean that. I've had situations where I knew I said the wrong thing and I was in the wrong on something for sure. And you have those raw moments of, you know, you go back, you try to fix those things. I think everybody's had moments where you go, oh, damn, did I say that? Oh, man. Like, but that was coming from like a place of frustration. And I feel like with every relationship, you have an awkward phase because you're going through a level of metamorphosis, right? You're going through a level of changing your relationship to different different levels. I mean, me and you, not to say we're in a freaking relationship like that. Damn, do I want to be? I'm just waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we are friends. And you go through an awkward stage of, you know, hey, what's up? And you don't know what the guy's on. And you just go through there. And that's an awkward stage. And then you become better friends. And then you go through another stage of, you know, then you become best friends. But I feel like there's a stage of awkwardness on every stage that you go to. And I feel like these guys had their level of awkwardness. They meet each other again in the beginning of the film, which is technically their their second first time meeting since they wiped their memories of each other. But they kept yeah. their feelings, right? Well, exactly that. Second first time. And you see them, you know, interact again and the awkwardness of their interactions again. But you, you get this sense of... They know each other so deeply and there's a connection there that is unspoken that they can't really put their finger on. And I feel that that is normal in a relationship when you're going and progressing in those different types of levels. And there is a struggle to get every level. Like You got to go from the 
you know, you you know each other, you know each other a bit more. You right. go from that to being maybe girlfriend, boyfriend, then you go to being fiancés and marriage if you choose to do so or whatever. You go through those different stages of life. But I've had situations like this where it is heartbreaking to you, you try to go back through those memories with that person. And to be honest, in my situation, sometimes I remember, I sometimes I remember more bad than I do good. Sometimes I remember the bad times more than I do the good times. And sometimes I think maybe there was more bad than actual good in my situation. Maybe you can pick out those moments. This movie is about walking through the whole relationship again. You mentioned, too, this is a good coupling with 500 Days of Summer because this is a movie that does, in fact, do the same thing going forward and backwards in time. But also... I think it's a beauty of maybe these guys, at least in this case, this particular couple haven't really given it a fair shake of their elements and how there's so many imperfections of this relationship, but the imperfections are kind of the beauty of what they, why they got together to begin with. And I feel like that's what you get at the end of the film is realizing that, oh, I fell in love with you because you were really crazy and you just did stuff and you didn't care. And but that's also why I'm pissed at you. And you see too at the end of this film, and I want to get into the side character before we go. But the uh, these tapes were released by a um, uh, by Kristen Dunst's character of yes. these people who get their feelings uh, or these um, these memories taken away. The mind wipers. These mind wipers, <laughs> <laughs> they take the, and she gives them back the the memories that they had. Uh, by these tapes that they recorded before they did this process. And you can hear the frustrations, the the toxicity they have, and they spew it, and they talk about baddie by each other. And these guys are uh, basically in the, in, another, in the same apartment space, hearing themselves talk about the, the other person that they don't even really know. Or well, kind of they knew them, but, you know, they don't know them now again. So it's like an awkward second time meeting. And it's like, oh, should we try it again? Knowing all, like you said, all this information about each other and the, our, our types of feelings. And she also says, I'm going to just kind of be the same way again. I'm going to be doing this. I'm, I'm spontaneous and I'm, I'll probably give up soon. And he goes, you know what? Okay. All right. But I still want to try it. And I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing, but I feel like the movie's left to almost like an ambiguous interpretation of what happens next. Do they learn from this? Do they just take it and grow? But I feel like they learn that they need to go through this process because there's something about this process that needs to take place. It's a candid event that needs to happen and they have to go through it. See, you're cooking up so much right now. There's three things that I want to talk about. One, I love the way you worded that when you said it shows the whole relationship. Because this focuses on a thing that Hollywood doesn't really talk about a lot, you know. This is the angry moments, the petty fights, the getting mad about things that you know you really shouldn't get mad about, but you know, that day you're just not having it. Like that's so real, and I feel like that's what makes this movie so poignant and so relatable and why we're still talking about it so many years later. Because at the end of the day, it's a universal type of, I wouldn't even say pain. I would say it's a universal consciousness that everyone can relate to because we're all similar in that way. You know, and I really love the way you worded that. And the second thing that I wanted to talk about was, I don't even think that it's a bad thing to um, for him to accept it. Because I feel like the, ambig- the ambiguity also reminds me of um, 500 Days of Summer. Because, you know, he goes up with that girl, Autumn, and you're like, oh, he's probably going to do everything again, or he might not. To me, I feel like this was a lot more of a good ending, 
Because with that movie, that's someone who was stuck in their cycle. They got aware of it, but only after they had to, you know, and you can still assume that they, they could go back to it. These two people who are fully accepting what it is, and I think that's kind of a beautiful thing, because at the end of the day, I don't view it as sad just because he's accepting whatever happens next. Because before, I think what the issue was with the both of them, and it's crazy because I think about my own relationships and things that I've been through. The issue with that relationship was in a way they were both trying to control and alter the other person. Like you said, what you loved, you grew to hate. Now it's you're too stable. Now it's you're too outgoing. So for the ultimate message to just be, you know what? Whatever happens, I accept it. To me, I view that as beautiful because that's something that I want to practice within my own relationship. That's something I want to practice with my relationship just in the world because I'm the kind of person, I don't want to change anyone, but I just hate to see people go through things mm -hmm. that I feel like are avoidable. But yeah. That's very selfish of me. That's me thinking I can help people or go through things, but who says that my interpretation and my feelings are right? So I really love just the ending of acceptance because that's that's how you should navigate through life in general you can't control anyone but yourself so whatever happens you accept it it's like you said earlier when you accept the the baggage that everything that comes with someone i feel like at the end of the movie that was just him accepting it and the last thing that i wanted to say is that this movie is like 50 first dates just without the creepy like sex <laughs> angle that's at, the, that's at the very end of it so yeah, you got two kids, but watch watch these forty six tapes, and you. I promise I didn't do anything to you that you didn't want me to. Like, <laughs> Fifty First Dates is such an odd movie because it also deals with. For anyone who doesn't know, a quick sidebar: Fifty First Dates is a movie with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. She has ex extreme memory issues; she can only remember that day. And over time, he forms a relationship with her to the point where they literally even have kids. But he has to keep reminding her of who he is every single day. So the tapes being released in this movie reminded me of that. It's like, this is like a good ending of Fifty First Dates. This is Fifty First Dates, but I don't have to remind you who this child no, is. No, we're just every it's it's like a it's like a fresh restart. And mm -hmm. I'm going to get into the side characters really quickly. So we talked about Mark Ruffalo. We talked about Kristen Dunst. Elijah Wood is in this film. Let's please talk about Elijah Wood's fucking dork ass character. Oh uh, man, and it, I think it, it that's what I was trying to say earlier when you first asked me the question earlier was about how I felt about this film and how memories, you can erase those memories, but those emotions are there. Right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Elijah Wood's character uh is trying his best to get with Clementine after her memories are wiped because he was there during the process of the memory wipe. They go to your apartment or wherever you're at to wipe your memory and you you wake up not remembering the person. He stole her panties. He did, yeah, it's just really nasty. And he you put everything in a bag that reminds you of this particular person and you're trying to wipe them clean from your mind. So he goes in this bag and he grabs all this old stuff that Clementine had of Joel or Joel of Clementine and he's trying to like get with her by using the same method that Joel did which was organic to manipulate her into having feelings with him it is so messed up and disgusting yeah and to me I feel like that's also some real shit because to me his character Elijah Wood this could be me being paranoid I don't know but to me his character speaks to 
the people who might laugh in your face and might call you a friend, but say the second you and your partner break up, now they want to get after them. And they're going to use the exact same mm-hmm. method to get them in a place of complacency or whatever that you came from. So you're going to use the same method I did to get with this person and do the same things I did. And like you're right, laugh at me mm-hmm. and whatever. And and that's what you're going to do. And I, he's such a scumball, uh, scumbag with the skin. He's saying the same <laughs> things that Jim Carrey said to her. Oh my Dude, there's so many scenes, and she just can't shake this feeling. Clementine just cannot shake a feeling that something's off, something's wrong, and I can't. You can't put your finger on it, and Joel can't can't help but feel it too. That he's just so like we're talking about. They're so connected to each other, and he decides to basically go back to her, and she does the same. And Elijah Woods is left to the dirt as he should. His character at least is left to the dirt. Uh, but that's so funny. And messed up. And Kirsten Dunst's character is in here too. She, she had her memories wiped from this man that she had feelings with, who is the head doctor of this corporation. And she she can't help but feel the feelings that she feels for this man. And she can't help but feel that there's something there. But it's realized that later in this film that she has this intrinsic connection. And they, they already had an affair because uh, this man was yeah. married. And it, it's sad. Mean. Scene like when the wife comes and like he's like, Oh, it's only a one time thing, and she just looks out of the mirror. Just her face again, going back to how real this movie is just the face of someone who's been here before, wanted to believe differently. But here we are again. He just she just looks at him and goes, Howard, don't be a monster, tell the girl. And that was so, oh, and then hey, honey, you already had him, you already had him before, like Mm -hmm. you already did. And then to feel that realization of wow, you're in a loop. And you, it's scary to think that you can try to erase that memory, but that feeling, you can't erase feelings. You can't erase what those mean, those, what those feelings in relation to, you know? And that's when she, we were talking about it earlier, she takes the tapes and she basically defects away from this corporation and gives back, I'm assuming, I think the movie is trying to give away that she's giving memories back to people that they're owed, basically. Um, and maybe it's not a good thing for you to erase that memory. It's good for you to face it and heal from it instead of trying to er- erasing something doesn't take away the learning or the feeling. It doesn't take away the feeling that you have or the basically the picture show of that emotion to help you learn from it. So her relearning this whole affair that happened and her taking it back is interesting. I like that idea. But those are like the major side characters of this film that kind of circle. I kind of fluff up the subplot idea of uh, different yeah. types of people who process things in this way. So I, I, I like it. That that's kind of like the major thing I wanted to touch on was with these side characters. They do paint a bigger picture, and I think I found out with trivia here because I saw it on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, and amazing trivia on Amazon. I was watching a Prime video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has like this thing on the side that basically said that and I didn't know this at all. I mean, that's the whole point of trivia, right? There's a there's a uh there was a subplot taken out of this film with Kirsten Dunn's character where she it would have been revealed that she had an abortion. Oh, um wow. and it was gonna get really dark. But I feel like that's what Charlie Kaufman is. He goes really freaking dark, but right? it got toned back, I feel that's like. Real, yeah, it, that's very and very it kind of makes more sense why she wore her memories white from that, you know, and that that pain of what she went through, but uh, especially being with a man who's married. So that is kind of dark. But um, this film has... I, I remember you mentioned earlier, I'm kind of putting you on the spot a bit. What was the contention with this film that you saw online? Contention with this film that I saw online? Pretty much 
everyone was asking, what was this film really about? You know, is this film about two people who don't work, who keep trying to spite it all? Or is this really a film that's really about cycles and how people will just keep themselves in loops for whatever nebulous reason? And to me, what I've seen online, at least on YouTube, it was pretty, pretty split down the middle. Kind of like a lot of people thought that they were just trying to make this relationship work despite it all. But a lot of people thought this movie was really just showing that pretty much once you're done with something, you're supposed to be done with something. You know, mm-hmm. So it was really divisive, which I feel like is also another sign of a great movie. When your audience is like literally split, but they're split having good debates and good conversations. I feel like that really just speaks to Charlie Kaufman and really how real this movie is. Because I know I've been overusing that word, but to me, that really speaks volumes because... When you can release something so poignant and honestly so real and so striking, people are going to have vastly different opinions. Because there are people who are totally cool with this and people who totally aren't. And it's going to really make people, in my opinion, not only reveal a lot of their biases, but also be a lot more honest with themselves. Because that was my takeaway watching this movie. And it, it, it highlighted me. I mean, I've gotten older since the first time I saw this film. So there's a lot of things I learned over the time. And there's certain things that I see and I go, oh, I totally relate to this. And... Um, or talk, you know, I lived with a woman, like I said, for a year and a half. So I, I experienced a lot of the things that you uh, were mentioning and talking about. So there is a lot of divisive thought processes. And I can kind of see it being a bit of both of loops. And maybe you should be done with something when you do it. But also the takeaway being that you have to go through it in order to, to understand what's going on here. Go through the pain because pain is inevitable. Uh, but you need to be able to be shaped by that pain or you know, use it to shape you to to learn and to progress or are you going to try to run from it and just but you're going to have to go through it, it, it oh, these yeah. guys have yeah. to go through this yeah. they have to go through this, this this loop again and maybe it is about those ty- it could be both you know but it is an ambiguity of this and I do enjoy it for that reason so I I do suggest that people go you know rent this out it is on prime video check it out very interesting film very kind of my type of romance movie quote unquote uh, I don't like it when things work out <laughs> necessarily yeah. as I said in the last podcast and this is why Persona 3 is your favorite and that's just what makes sense and I suggest people of course to watch the previous uh, podcast yep. um, those are kind of coupled together to talk about romance here uh, like Persona 3 Reload yeah I want to but really this movie to me is very thought provoking in the way of because I'm someone I'm in a newer relationship now and I want this relationship to work you know I've I've had the best relationships in the past so this movie especially five hundred days of summer they really make me kind of reflect on myself in a way where it's like okay was I right about certain things do I have these certain thought processes so I feel like the movie is a great movie for anyone who is either going through a breakup or just someone who really just kind of feels lost, you know? Because I feel like with both of these movies, you had two people that were really just trying to find their happiness in other people. And then when they kind of lost that, they kind of lost everything. It was, I mean, it was more hopeful in uh, Tom's case because he could build himself back up, but he might have those same pitfalls. So I feel like this movie... It's just a really good demonstration and this example of what it really just means to be in a relationship or what it means to just interact with people. Because you can have these same feelings with someone that can be completely platonic. You have a great friend yep. that you're seeing going through things and that could have you do it. You know, you could fall out with a girlfriend of yours. You know, it's so many, it's, it's poignant because it's people. 
Yes. And you you can choose to try again. And but it is a definition of madness to keep trying something again and have the same result. But in these guys' case, they have the understanding of what the result is, and then maybe they can't alter it, maybe they can't have more patience, or maybe they won't. And again, that's the ambiguity, and that's what is the takeaway. And I would love to leave people with one more quote here. Definitely unwise to look at the good old days. Remembering the good old days and sticking to those good old days prevents you from having other good days. You know, the good old days stay in the old and the past, and some things do need to stay where they lie. But it doesn't mean that you can't progress into something better or even healthier for yourself. And I feel like this movie kind of paints that, that maybe there is, maybe Joel and Clementine will never figure it out. And maybe going back to the good old days is a bad idea. And I can, I'll even disclose this too um, in closing as well. The relationship I was, I got out of was a old relationship that I used to be in off and on for years of my life. And it was like a big um, chunk of my life that I was in and out of this relationship. And I had to realize that going back to those good old days, there's nothing good here. And every time it fails and I, I had to learn that it's, I had to keep learning the same lesson over and over again to realize, to understand that there's nothing I can do to change it. And I'm just, at least in my case, I was insane. I should have really stuck to my guns of what I knew and I thought, but you feel like you could change it. You feel like you can go through it again and maybe it'll work out this time and I need to go through it because I'm trying to go back to those good old days. But the good old days are old, you know, and you got to go, you got to go forward. And you know, I'm glad you said that because I want to leave people with a few quotes too. The first one being from George Michael, I mean, Careless Whisper, to the, hey. heart, to, to the heart and mind, ignorance is kind, you know? And I feel like that really speaks into the early stages of a relationship. You know, when you're with somebody and things are happy, you're not thinking about how things are going to be or the things that you might not like in the future. You're just happy to be happy and you know what you don't know can't hurt you. But the more poignant message that I want to say, because you kept talking about the good old days, it's a quote from my mom, actually. Shout outs to mom. There's no such thing as the good old days. The good old days are right now. Live every day right now. Do the things that you want to do. Be happy. Pursue the relationships or the things that you want to pursue. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to look back on a fallacy. You want to live in reality. And I like that. The last part was me, though. Shout out to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the realist (laughs) in this whole game. (laughs) Never the realist. Just always a student. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm not used to doing it. But hey, uh, Ron, where can they listen to us? Or do you want me to do it? Do you want to flip around? I'll give it a shot. I mean, where you can find us at the Zoomcast podcast, we're everywhere. We're on most major um, listening platforms. You know, we're on Apple Music. We're on RSS, and you know we're on Spotify, and that's that's what I know. Okay, so yeah. we'll just okay, we'll yeah, flip no, it. Sure, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll flip it back around. You, yeah. you did good. Yeah, no, 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 thank you, thank you. <laughs> Taking notes tonight. Like. Uh, we are on Google Play. We are on uh, Spotify. We are also on Deezer. Newly put on Deezer. We're also on iHeartRadio. We're like, like Ron said, on most major platforms. You listen to us anywhere and everywhere. And after a while, I'm pretty sure we'll be investing back in to be on the YouTube space. So keep that uh, on the outlook there. So really happy to have you guys listen to us this week. 
And yeah, man, this is the podcast here. So I appreciate everything. Yep. Good night, guys. Or day, wherever you are. Whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs>